I love America. I feel grateful to having been able to live my life in what I consider to be the greatest nation in the world. Of course, I will say there are other countries that I really like too, especially Switzerland and Ireland and Australia, three of my favorites. But I still feel that the level of living that we enjoy in this country far exceeds that of any other nation. And in light of that, I also love patriotic music. One of my favorite songs was not written to be patriotic as much as it was a prayer for America. It's an expression of gratitude for what this country has meant as well as a prayer for the future. It was written by Irving Berlin during World War I in 1918, and it says, God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam, God bless America, my home sweet home. Another great song that some people think ought to be our national anthem, even though it isn't, uh, is the patriotic song entitled America the Beautiful. And its message too conveys uh, a truth that we need to remind ourselves of on a regular basis. But oh beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountains majesties above the fruited plains. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. O beautiful for pilgrims' feet, whose stern impassioned stress, a thoroughfare of freedom's beat across the wilderness. America, America, God mend thy every flaw, confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. O beautiful for heroes proved in liberating strife, who more than self their country loved and mercy more than life. America, America, may God thy gold refine till all success be nobleness and every gain divine. O beautiful for patriot dream that sees beyond the years, thine alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Thine alabaster cities gleamed undimmed by human tears. What does that mean? I've always loved singing that since I was a child, but I've got to admit, I've always wondered what exactly that means, alabaster cities gleamed. You know, the song was written back in 1895 by Catherine Lee Bates. She was inspired by a trip that she took from the East Coast through Chicago across the amber waves of grain in Kansas, ending at Pikes Peak and the Purple Mountains Majesties in Colorado. 
It was a time when cities like Chicago and New York were beginning to build what we call skyscrapers. Back then, the skyscrapers were no more than 15 stories tall, but that was pretty tall when you hadn't had any before. But these tall buildings had facades made of alabaster, which was a white gleaming rock which made them glisten in the sun. And white stands for pure, and the gleaming white alabaster skyscrapers meant pure cities free from crime and free from human tears. It was a vision for the future where there would be no more need for human tears. It's a vision that is still before us. Tomorrow we celebrate the 246th birthday of America. And if I have one message for America and for the world today, it would be this. If America is to continue to be or become all that we want her to be, if America is going to stay the leading nation of the world, if for those who feel that America is declining, we are going to turn the country around and we're going to keep America from declining, then we've got to start progressing as much in our moral and spiritual values as we have in modern science and technology and medicine. And we've got to want to do that. Almost 100 years ago in 1929, Winston Churchill was deeply worried that humanity was progressing greatly in knowledge and technology, but not in morality. Despite major material advances, humanity, he lamented, had not improved appreciably in virtue and was not enjoying wise guidance. 20 years later, when he was prime minister of England, he felt that humanity's vast material and technical expansion had unfortunately not been accompanied by any significant improvement in people's mental faculties or moral character. Now, now what does that mean? What does that mean in everyday uh, experiences? Well, I like to approach it this way sometimes. I like to ask groups that I'm leading, uh, do you think that we're better off today than we were 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 200 years ago? And when I ask that question, I get yeses and I get noes. Of course, some say, just look at all the modern scientific and technological advances we enjoy today. And that's certainly true. Just think of all the modern blessings and benefits, the luxuries and the comforts that we enjoy today that people in the past didn't know. Medical knowledge that will cure disease and now even prevent diseases, enhance comforts and lifestyles from air conditioning and television to computers and the internet, instant communication, instant information, 
iPhones, smart TVs, electric cars, artificial intelligence, robots, 3D printing, reproductive technology, DNA, new sources of electricity from wind and waves and sun, recycling, telecommuting, new ways to grow food to feed the masses, and oh yeah, there's also space travel and people living for a year at a time up on a space station that keeps circling the earth. I'm fascinated by that and amazed by that. And the list can go on and on. And any of us who are 25 years old or older can remember back before we had most of that that I just described. But what about what Churchill worried about? Our moral and spiritual advancement as well. Why are people today so worried, fearful, anxious, depressed, lonely? Why do almost more people get divorced than stay married? Why is there so much hostility, anger, mass shootings, road rage, suicides, and political divisiveness? It's because, as Churchill worried, our moral spiritual progress has not kept up with our technological and science achievements. And people are more concerned with gadgets, technology, luxuries, pleasures than they are with spirituality. We've lost our moral compass and our spiritual base to a great degree. We're more concerned with the latest iPhone or Fitbit or 85-inch TV or electric car than we are with prayer and Bible study. Kids now have sports on Sunday morning when we used to go to church as a family on Sunday mornings. And so our kids may grow up to be better soccer players, but what will they know about the meaning and purpose of life? Do you know that Jesus was concerned about this same thing back in his own day? He condemned in people uh, they condemn people who had their values all mixed up and out of order. You remember the man who was so successful in growing crops that he had such a big harvest, all he could think of was to tear down his barns and build bigger ones? That's the only person in the Bible that God clearly calls a fool. He says, you fool, you're going to die today. Now you tell me who's going to get all of this that you've worked so hard to accumulate? Or do you remember the rich young ruler? He had it all, great wealth, fame, power. He would have been a big hit in today's culture. He really truly wanted what Jesus had to offer and what he called the kingdom of God with all of its love and joy and peace and hope. Only when Jesus told him what he had to do to get it, he had to sell all of his possessions and give away his wealth. He wasn't willing to do it because his possessions meant more to him than even that kingdom. So compare that rich young ruler or the man who built the bigger barns to Thomas Monaghan 
the founder of Domino's Pizza. He had it all too, billions of dollars. He sold Domino's for $1 billion 25 years ago. He owned a, a pro baseball team. He had three houses designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, 20 vintage automobiles, including a $13 million Bugatti. But he discovered that all of this could not fix what was missing in his heart and his soul. He said, none of these things ever really made me happy. And so he began selling everything that he had and giving the money to help others. Monaghan was one of my biggest heroes for a long time. But then a few years ago, I discovered another hero, a new hero by the name of Charles Chuck Feeney, who was one of the co-founders of the duty-free shops that you find in airports all over the world. Needless to say, those duty-free shops obviously brought him millions, if not billions of dollars. I, I'm sure you've probably shopped in them. You've helped contribute to his fortune. But instead of wanting to build bigger barns, instead of looking for a more lucrative portfolio to invest in, Chuck Feeney had a different idea. His Christian upbringing convinced him you can't take it with you. So he thought, why not give it all away? And he did. He gave to major causes that would improve humanity in the areas of education, healthcare, human riches, and much more. He wanted to die broke. And he achieved that goal on September 14th in the year 2020 Today he is 91 years old. He felt it was a lot more fun to give while you live than to give when you're dead. His stark generosity influenced Bill Gates and Warren Buffett when they launched their giving pledge in 2010. The giving pledge is an aggressive campaign to convince the world's wealthiest to give away at least half of their fortunes while they're still living. And these philanthropists and others like them clearly are beginning to understand what the Bible means when it says there is a lot more joy in giving than there is in getting. You know, a lot of people misunderstand Jesus when they hear the gospel. Jesus never said that wealth or earthly pleasures are bad. He would have said we should be thankful. We should enjoy them, but remember to be thankful for them. But if they become more important to us than our moral and spiritual values, that's when they become bad. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And that's why my message for America and the world this 4th of July is to reiterate what Winston Churchill said and not let money, fame, and pleasure become more important to us than our spiritual values. And Churchill wasn't the only famous world leader to say that. 
Former President Theodore Roosevelt said in 1917, the things that will destroy America are prosperity at any price, safety first instead of duty first, the love of soft living, and the get rich quick theory of life. May we not only hear this, but believe it. May we witness the fact that we do believe it in the way that we live our lives every day, specifically in the way we treat every other person that we are with. If we as citizens of America and the world can begin to do that, then hopefully like the leaven working in the bread, we will do our part in transforming the whole world.